Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fancast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is the story So Farscape. Farscape. Ooh, almost missed my cue there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. We were so, we were so like, uh, busy with our preparations for this episode. Jamming out to this fantastic opening tune that we have. <laughs> no, thank you, Lee. Like, we genuinely do start every episode doing a little dance of joy while we listen to it. And also, thank you to our Patreon supporters, thanks to whom we could buy this audio interface that has a special button to start the show. <laughs> so, yes, uh, it is episode 403. Yes. What was lost, part two. Resurrection. Resurrection. When was the last time we saw a show called Resurrection? So I think there was a Battlestar Galactica episode called Resurrection, wasn't it? Def- uh, no, that was Resurrection Ship. But it was actually called Resurrection Ship? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, fair enough. Close enough. Yeah, beautiful episode. That yeah. Beautiful ship, too. Beautiful episode was this, too, because once again, Farscape takes us to the exotic vistas of a beautiful Australia. Marubra? Marubra. Is that what I remember correct? I probably said something like that last time. That was the sort of cliffy, watery location yeah. where a lot of this was was filmed. I mean, I read something about that you can go to a different beach in Australia every day, and then it would still take you more than a year to... Uh, Whoa. To visit them all. It has a lot of beaches. That sounds right. Yeah. I mean, you could say the same about Finland when it comes to lakes, but the mosquitoes would drain you before you made it to the end of the year. Fair point. I mean, that's deed for that. I mean, that doesn't work against beaches, so... <laughs> well, hold on. Beaches don't suck your blood. <laughs> I mean, the sharks, but that doesn't work. Deep doesn't work against sharks either. <laughs> no, exactly. For that, you need the shark-repellent bat spray. Oh. <laughs> Well, we have uh, we have plenty of monsters in the sea as well, but let's see what our uh, uh, beloved audience members have said about this episode that both of us totally remembered to oh, I have pull it here. up our little date. Oh, you go first. Yeah, then. The, there's only one. The crew hatch a plan to escape before the magnetic field bleaches the skin from their bones, but they end up finding someone they weren't looking for. Ooh. We ask the question how many lives a grasshopper has, and the commandant forgets her safe word. Well, Thank you, Marky C. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is slim pickings this time around. Well, I guess everyone was so busy on the on the previous episode. So thank you very much, Marky C. Yeah, this. Uh, uh, let me see what the boring synopsis. The crew discovers how far Scorpius has fallen in the Peacekeeper ranks. Yeah, they must find and activate all the probes to stop the magnetic storm on Arnesk, But someone doesn't want them stopped. That's a clever synopsis. The boring synopsis is Dargo and Jewel have a plan to save the gang's hides, but as usual, things don't go quite according to plan. Well, Grazer discovers the hard way that John Crichton oh. is difficult. To catch to hold on to scorpius suffers what may be his final betrayal like fuck it is and the crew shares another parting of ways <laughs> you're not even gonna pretend no. to wonder <laughs> no not even. because he's been shot like through the chest and he's been buried alive yes but he also said like don't bury me alive and so just and they did it anyway so definitely he's not gonna... gonna slow him down it's, oh, no, but it's so sad to finally see <laughs> oh, someone. Yes. Oh, no, he's dead, gone and dead. Like, oh, no, what will he do without Scorpius? You know, I, I read the, um, an interview with, I think it was David Kemper and Rockney S.O. Banning. No, it was their commentary on Into the Lion's Den Part 2, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Abandoned Sheep. Yes. Where they talked about, like, there were opportunities or possibilities to bring Crace back. Like, there was a, right. there were versions of that episode that had been written so that there would be, you know, spacey-wacy, timey-wimey, yes. and there would be a way for him to have survived off-screen mm-hmm. because everybody loved working with Lani Tupu. But yeah. 
they felt that like for the integrity of the show, someone has to stay dead every now and again. Yeah, no, fair. I mean, and that someone is not Scorpius. Nah, I'm not buying that for a minute. I'm not buying that. For a All right, let's dive right in. Yeah, so we start off with a recap. Which was pretty necessary. Yes, it was very concise too, I'd noticed. They were they mostly focused on the, the previous episode, but yeah, a lot of things happened there. People got shot, people got stern to stone, there were big temples, there was timey-wimey shit. And yes, well, I think the most important thing was like what whatever Granny is doing. We still don't know who she is. We There's, got her name at the end of this episode. We did. Okay, but we still don't know who she is. Well, no, okay, but like a name is a start. Fair, I suppose. But Her uh, name is Utu Noranti Pralotong. Okay, and, and has John, like, have you abbreviated Utu? Calls it, Noranti. he chooses Noranti okay. as the name to focus on. I mean, on. I would have gone with Auntie, but, you know. Noranti. No, just, no, just Auntie, you know, it's like, I mean, it works. I mean, neither, neither uncle nor Auntie. Ah, Noranti. Ah, ah yeah. very good. <laughs> So, uh, so why do you think that she's the sort of focus here? Well, she knows about the probes. 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 I mean, she clearly has an agenda, which we still don't know yet. Hmm. Uh, and everybody is just seemingly happy to ignore the fact that she just tags along and she is just like, oh, yeah, she's here. And, like, yeah. she does some sort of thing which makes people, like, ignore her or just, like, forget about her or... Forget about questioning why she even is there. Do you think that she really needs to do anything when you see how John and everybody treats Uni, they finally learn his name, the aquatic creature? Yes. Who has to, in the end, actually draw a gun and come out and say, but I am the villain. I am the right. one who's done the conspiracy before they actually care. Nobody thinks. They, they all just go, like, he literally just says, shoo, shoo, to, yes. to, to get rid of this creature while he's conspiring. Yes, there's some weird stuff going on there. So she is definitely doing mind fuckery, and it's not just when she is, like, being the cocaine fairy. I mean, that's just when she dials it up to 11. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, that, that we haven't seen the last of that storyline yet. Yeah. Hey... Yes. The aquatic creature, Udi. Yeah. Udi, yes. Uni. Uni, sorry. Wait, who I don't think ever introduces himself. It's just at some point they uh-huh. seem to all know his name. He was really weird. Like, he was very protective of her, but then, yes, turns out that he was the one who was doing the thing and he wanted the probes for something. Did this actually come out and say what he wanted the probes for? Well, uh, step four profit. Right, of course, yes. Somehow. Yeah. So, can you describe his plot arc for me? Okay, in, so in, in how you understood he it. He was kicking around on the planet, just being right. the swamp creature, I suppose. He was being mostly ignored by whoever uh, Jules uh, Mentrix was. Uh, Instructor Vela. Instructor Vela, mm-hmm. yes. And I guess he was just kind of hanging out, waiting for his time to strike and grab the probes. Right, see, I finally got it, I think, which is that he and Vela were in cahoots. Yes. And that Vela and he were both planning to, like, take these probes and sell them. And he just double-crossed her. Which is hugely corrupt. Yes, and so I think we're meant to infer that he also stonified her because he has a yeah. stonification weapon. Yeah, yeah. So you know where the other probes are? In the lair. That bitch Vela had them. Swore I'd get my share of the bounty. But she lied. She tried to hide the other two probes. Bounty? Now, they'll pay me. 
I remember the first time around watching it that it was not clear either like who killed Vela or whether it mattered. It still doesn't seem to have mattered. No, right? Yeah, that's the whole thing. It happened. It barely even registered as a plot arc. Didn't turn into who done it. It's just yeah. like it was just like yeah, we didn't like her anyway. You know, I mean, one yeah. less one less problem. <laughs> yeah, one less annoying plot arc to worry about. Like, it kind of felt like that. But I do think I get to claim some points because I believe that ah. uh, John gets rescued by uh, Uni. Oh, yes, you you said that last time, didn't you? I pres- I think I did, yes. Yeah, okay, well, I'm going to have to look up how many points that is and make sure that you're awarded for that. It's just a it's just a one episode. It was, a, it, was a, it was a really obvious shot, but, you know, it's... Yeah, so that's only going to double your inlay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've actually done some maths here. Oh. And I just realized that I've written them down wrong because what I've written down here is your profit... Rather uh, than your winnings, because you've already like spent some some yes, points. Because okay. you made some other predictions here, which was let me see a power struggle between Scorpius and Grazer. Well, yeah, yeah. pretty definitely. Yes, so, I mean that's yeah. It came clearly who. Uh, it's very obvious who claim ahead in that one. Yeah, for the time being. So that's uh, an extra five hundred points Ooh. on top of winning your uh, your inlay back. Yeah, you made some very good bets. Let me see. Can I read this? Oh, you thought that 402 would be about Eren. Yeah, no, yeah, that no. one did not pan out. You expected some kind of a court-martial for Scorpius, which I have written down as a Scorp-martial. Okay. Which I'm actually going to give you, because there was a previously on scene in uh, 402. Yeah. That kind of showed that. That kind of showed at least uh, a, a Grazer demoting I was going to say, I thought you were being a little bit generous here because that seemed more like Grazer being doing her thing and uh, the power struggle for between them. So I wouldn't call that court-martial, but, you know, I'll take the points. Yeah, very uh, wise. Uh, yeah, yeah. Considering how, how difficult a game you're playing, you should take every W you can. And lastly, Braca in command of Scorpius. Yeah. I, I mean, I quintupled your points on that. I gave you, you laid in a hundred. I'm giving you five hundred because I don't think there's any more in command than you can get than he currently is with the green cooling rod and on the leash and like yeah. bring him to his water bowl Vault and drink. You, yes, ugh. yes. Bracker is really getting his um, <laughs> comeuppance, I suppose. Really, well, not comeuppance. Uh, yeah, comeuppance is usually no, right. yeah, just Scorpius is, is getting there. Scorpius yeah. is getting his comeuppance. His uppance has come in a, yes. in a big way, and I think. Well, I suspect. Okay. Since I've done so well, I'll put another. Let's put another two fifty points in that Bracca is actually going to get his comeuppance for the way he treats Scorp. He's been treating Scorpius. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm going to need a little bit more sort of contextual specifics. Okay. Like, are we talking general karma, or is th- Scorpius going to take his revenge? I think Scorpius is going to take his revenge. Yeah, because he's not. I mean, we know that he's not particularly vindictive. But I think against what Brack has been doing to him, he's going to like take off a little. I mean, t- yeah, take out a little time to like divest from his hatred of the Scarans to just make sure that uh, his uh, ex first well, intents or whatever yeah, it is. His gets, yeah, his ex. Yeah. Oh, as well. Yes, that too. <laughs> gets a little bit of payback, I think. So, yes, I'll put a 250 on that. Damn. All right. I think that's going to be well spent. Let's see how that pans out. Because in the meantime, we open where we ended, which was John had just been uh, blasted in the face by the cocaine fairy. Cliff jump number two, I believe. Oh, was there another cliff jump in the first episode or in the first part of this uh, this episode? I don't know. Oh, no, but no, I don't think once so, again, but yes. I don't think it was a cliff jump, but once again, he's floating in the water, and 
Uni's charming face comes up and uh, and greet him. He tries to swim to the to the shore, where he is greeted by the peacekeepers, whom he tried to evade by jumping off the cliff. Yeah, I mean, it was, by, he was he, yeah. yeah he was drugged by uh, by Naranti. Yes. She drugged him into right, committing that suicide. Was that was it. He was, so like, that she didn't want the peacekeepers to capture him, so she convinced him to jump off the cliff, essentially. Yeah, so that he can tell them where the third part of the super yeah. weapon So he starts swimming towards her, get grabbed by the ankle by Uni, and gets dragged along, which Fantastic is literally shots. the way he's being like being rescued. He's uh-huh. just being dragged through the water by the ankle into the green-lit waters, which go back into the temple, where Uni proceeds to... Basically, well, waterboard him. I mean, there's no board involved, but he's basically, yeah, dunking his head in the toilet like he's a nerd getting dun- dunked by the jocks. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> that's awful. I mean, considering the, the the smell thing that they talk about later, it seems about right. Yikes, yikes. <laughs> I mean, so, yes. for, I always found that a very confusing sort of imagery because at, being people who live in the Netherlands, we live in essentially toilet hell because Dutch toilets are known for having a plateau, which right. don't think about it too hard. It's awful. There's no backsplash. But it also means that the idea of like being shoved face first into the toilet probably means breaking your nose on porcelain. True. It's not as common as uh, anymore as it used to be. It used to be very much of a 70s thing. Thank Christ. Toilet design. These days we just have a, uh, yeah, uh, a, not, not the American style where you get like this big bowl of water, which... If you're unlucky, delivers Neptune's kiss upon you. But- <laughs> wow! <laughs> Leave that to Uni. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought it was a little bit weird for an aquatic creature to think to threaten someone by drowning. He knows about like yeah. land dwellers. Yeah, it's. <laughs> but yeah, like he's accusing uh, a Crichton, I think, of killing Vela because he's claiming at this point that Vela was his friend. About clothes! She just wants to save my head! Bella was my friend! I'll not let you take what she discovered! You not give it to them! Yes. Because he's claiming to be just a, a local simpleton, just one of the simple local creatures who was friends with Vela and you killed her and you wanted to know more about that. We go to the credits and then we come out from this sort of stressful situation where he seems to be drowning Crichton, oh no, and then Dargo yells at Uni. What are you doing? I told you to find him, not drowning, now get off! So if you look carefully in this shot, in the Jeeves, if you look to the top, a little above Crichton, you can see bubbles coming, rising up there out of the water. Okay. So I'm suspecting that's the bubbles from the scuba diver who is there with him, because he's like just doing this oh, wow. T-pose floating face down in the water. So I think, I mean, I wouldn't call it that's, a continuity error, but it's... No, that's a very good catch. No, you're quite right. Our director, Rowan Woods, talked about how they filmed all this water stuff under incredibly tight time pressure, mm-hmm. and that it was tremendously exciting, but also very sort of skin of their teeth. So they did have a bunch of safety officers. Yeah. Uh, they did have a bunch of safety lines under the water that uh, that actors could hold on oh, to. Oh, so they won't get swept off by the currents into exactly. the further into sea. Yeah. Oh, very good point. Yeah. yeah. Although it was tricky at a few points, like one of the one of the scenes in the sort of tide pool, yeah. where I think they spend two scenes in this episode. It's very foamy. Yeah, like a tide pool is generally fairly well protected from the elements, but yeah. there were gale force winds at the time, oh, yeah. and the tide was working against them. And so at one point, like just in the middle of shooting the scene, there was a freak wave that came over them as a wall of water, and just everyone was gone for about eight seconds. Oh damn! 
and including like the safety officers, one of the safety officers actually was swept onto the beach, like Crichton would be later on, <laughs> in scuba gear, of course, and he yeah. had fins, so he was uh, he was well safe. Yeah. But yeah, that was a bit scary, not knowing whether your lead actor had managed to grab onto the safety line. Yeah, I for... can imagine, yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I'll, and I noticed about that scene, like where the underwater water is absolutely clear and he can see where the probe is and where Winona is and he can just grab it out of the rocks and like, that's not my experience in swimming one of those tide, in, in a tide pool, but that might have been. I don't know, man. I mean, where have you swum in tide pools? Why? Yeah, okay, no excuse there. <laughs> No, I was thinking, like, obviously, we being in the Netherlands, like, it's all clay oh, yeah, and the water's all brackish abso- oh, and murky and everything. Yeah. Admittedly, it was after a bit of weather had come through, so that might have been uh, the cause for the w- water being murkier than normal. But um. So, some conspiracy has taken place kind of off-screen, mm. which sweeps us away. And in having, I guess, skipped a bunch of scenes that the writers consider too boring to write down because everybody's in cahoots now. Dargo and apparently Sikozu had sent Uni, whom we didn't know that they knew about, no. I don't think, to find Crichton and bring him back. Dargo and Sikozu also have concocted a plan. Yes, which they're not telling John about. We are operating on a need-to-know basis, and we think it best that you only know your part. Excuse me? Well, we feel if you know the whole plan, then... Why, you, you, you two, work it out and come up with a plan. Now you trust her, and you're not going to tell me the plan? Well, let me tell you, I do not get back in the saddle with Matahari until I get the whole plan. If you go back, can you be sure Grazer will not make you tell everything you know? You know it's the right thing to do, John. That's just saying, like, yeah, we're going to get you recaptured by uh, Commander uh, Cleaveridge. Yeah, I don't Um, know how I feel about that. Well, like, neither does John. He goes like, well, I'm not going around with that. Like, I want to know everything. And they're like, mm, yeah, well, we're, maybe what you don't know, you can't tell them about. So good yeah. luck. You're going to have to go back to... There's a very short little exchange about her... I don't know what kind of gland it is. Like, I guess it's the adrenochrome gland or something that she's had implanted. Which seems yeah. to be... Which they consider to be an odd thing since it apparently shortens the life expectancy by several arms well more than a few arms uh, probably a few cycles but yeah you're right sorry arms yeah sorry cycles arms and arms yeah sorry it's an exchange between Dargo and Sikosu who apparently have spoken with each other enough that he's observing to to John you know she starts sentences then she doesn't finish them it's very annoying yes I can relate to that (laughs) and I'm sure you you relate to that as well as someone who has to edit my bullshit <laughs> and on the podcast it's not generally that bad oh thank you but so yeah it's about hepal oil and it's about this gland that releases this oil used by certain concubines and mm. which goes to the erogenous zones and enslaves yes. people but it does cost you a significant chunk of lifespan so she thinks it's very odd that someone like Grazer would have it voluntarily implanted yes because it's irreversible and they discover this because they are in the pool area and John digs and yeah, don't you, don't you smell that? And they go, oh, don't smell anything. And then they go like, oh well, ooh, maybe he's been like a seductive glanded or something. Yeah, whatever you, want, whatever you want to call it. I mean, Dargo has very sensitive olfactory capacity. So we're told, yes. And probably Naranti does not, because she's a smelly person herself. Well, mm. well, that never excludes anything. A one man's trash is another man's treasure. I suppose it goes for smells as well. <laughs> so John protests. He does not want to go back to Grazer, sort of. But he kind of agrees in the end. 
Yeah, which I think even Ben Browder also had a little trouble with because what has been depicted and what he is agreeing to, again, is sexual assault. It's rape. Right, yes. Which, once again, is being treated a bit too lightly, I think, for the incredible... Like he, Dargo even talks about you're going to have to take one for the team. Yes, yeah, so I've already taken. I, I've taken already. I've already taken two. Or you're going to have to take a third. And yeah, I know this what's is going. And what, I, what's the two? Oh, I mean, it depends on how you, if if you look at it just for on Grazer or a larger scale type thing. Oh, just Grazer. I'm thinking like he's gotten two hits of her boob juice. Right. Yeah. So this will be the third. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. So focusing just on that. Yeah. So yes, you. and he knows that it's going to be hard for him. Uh, also another know, macho gag yes. but it is a very good pun though <laughs> oh it'll be hard <laughs> right and John when they find you it's gonna have to be believable you know that you're hurt that you're taking a fall you can do that I can fake that I, I know you, they it. have to I said I can fake it uh, um, and you got the little exchange like oh you're sure you can fake it you're gonna have to find you on the beach yeah I can fake it and like, are you sure and then some lashes him so to knock <laughs> yeah, him out I, like. I really love that and John just goes <laughs> falling into the water because he he sort of accepts John's assurances and then goes okay okay are you sure I'm sure okay yeah but are you sure though no <laughs> yes okay <laughs> Still got a tongue lash you anyway. They presumably uh, deposit him on the rather rocky beach for the uh, peacekeepers to find him. And next we find John in Grazer's clutches once more. Yeah, this wonderful chamber. He calls it Vela's chamber, which, I mean, if we've seen it before in the previous episode, I didn't really get a look at it. It's like a reverse well, it ziggurat. It certainly didn't have the bondage straps. So. Also that has this stone slab that he's strapped to. Face down. Mumbling into the stone. And she begins to question him, once again giving him a, a, a little hit of the old heppel oil. Yes, a little bit of the boob juice, as I think we, I've been calling it. It's a cool table altar thing. It's got, like, these indentations in it filled with red glowing liquid. So it, oh, it kind yeah. of smacks of sacrifice, a sacrificial altar to me. But Yeah, right. You know, yeah. They probably had Godzilla on there a few times. Uh, I thought that was an outside thing, but who knows? Maybe they had in inside uh, rituals for Godzilla as well when it was raining. Drink. Uh, we see uh, Braca bringing Scorpius in to heal and to drink, and then we have a scene in the prison where the girls are locked up. Right, where I'm constantly expecting Chana to go, like, smack Granny down with her third eye on one of those spikes. You know, I, this... Yikes! <laughs> that, mean, is a, that is a waste of some prosthetics, dude. I know, but, like, she is clearly <laughs> fed up with the whole situation. I thought you were going to get caught and help us. He had to die. No other way. I didn't think you were going to try and kill him. Wrinkles. We're all going to die soon. <sighs> yeah, and she's taking it out on uh, on Jewel, who is trying to keep an eye on the bigger picture. Like, she's looking at the magnetic sensors mm. on the wall. Each time I see those magnetic sensors, I'm, I'm like, okay, hang on. Did I admit, what did I miss? Who was setting the explosives? Because they kind of look like explosives. They, do. <laughs> yeah, they look like spacey wasty explosives. A Jewel, by the way, who is still dressed for an appearance in Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> That's just her dress. I man. know. I'm talking about the color. That's part of it. I know, but still, you know. I know what much... it means. Uh, what you mean? Like it? It looks. It's got these sort of handles that look like the handles on a, like a cast iron wok. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> like she's got a, like she's part of a, a, a spectacular stir fry. It's amazing. I think, I think you're referring to a vatjan, but uh, I am. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the word, but yes, I, it's, uh, what it's, has a handle? Uh, no, no. The difference is that vatjan has a flat bottom rather than a round bottom. Oh, uh, and the handles can be either two or one, depending on the size. Or uh, right. I think the vatjan is more the Indonesian variety, and those tend to be more cast iron, while the Chinese ones tend to be more uh, beaten uh, steel. Oh, and thinner, I guess. So yes, uh, they cool faster, so you can. Yeah, but they also heat. Yeah, they also and he, heat yeah. up faster. Yeah. Mm. So yes, the color is draining from everyone. Which yes, was... because the magnetic field is increasing. We all know the effect of magnetic fields on color. <laughs> Spacey wacy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chiana is particularly dismissive. I love that. <laughs> like, I'm not exactly. <laughs> Didn't have much color to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder if she can see colors. Chiana. Yeah. yeah, I mean, looking back at oh, what was it? When yeah, they... she can because the, the she can definitely discern the coloring. I mean, when the uh, uh, in the the, the tri color episode when they split up between. That's what three. I'm thinking of. Yeah. She was not bothered by the red world. The light didn't bother her. No, at but she all. was super bothered by the blue one. By the sound. Yes. So she covered her ears. Yeah, but she for could, that. But, but, but I think she referred to different color huh? worlds that she saw. But I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, curious. Yeah. We have plenty of other mysteries to uh, to worry about because she is certain that Sikozu is going to betray them. Right. Which Sikozu goes off and does. She sort of prances Which is, over. C- yeah. She walks up to Braca and goes like, "Hi, I'm your promotion." Yeah. And this this is. Never mentioned again in the rest of the episode, is it? Okay, so Braca then goes to Greza, yeah. who's doing an intimate interrogation. Yes. Uh, and despite the fact that she dismisses him, he interrupts her and says, hey, there's it's a girl here. Yeah. And this all happens sort of off screen. So we oh, don't know. yeah, I must have kind of missed that. Because I noticed that they had yeah. this like big, like, oh, big betrayal reveal, and then nothing came of that. Mom. Go away. This is important, Mum. I'm sorry to uh, disturb you, but uh, this girl, she claims to be with a nation that could lead us to the So we were distracted from that because Crichton uses this distraction to grab himself a little lacquer. Yes. Because he's the little monopod bug uh, no, uh, scuttling No, no, about. he grabs a knife here. The lacquer comes later. Oh, yes, you're right, you're right, you're this right. Distract- you're very right. Yeah, this distraction, he grabs a knife and uh, he, he tries to uh, stab uh, Razor with it, but he can't. No. Nope. Despite trying to use two hands. Yeah. It's Scorpio all over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This seems to be a recurring theme. Yeah. And now we see what. Uh, oh. I was about to say, and now we see what Sikosu's betrayal was all about, but we kind of don't. don't. Yeah. Instead. Grazer seems to have fixated on John's statement that she's still executing his policy yeah. out in the deep reaches of the uncharted territories, and that she doesn't—he doesn't believe that she's in charge, which she proves by making him dig a grave, right, and then giving him a gun to execute Scorpius with. Yeah. So hang on, there's, there's a little in-between scene first where Rigel is talking to. Dargo, who oh, has yes. made his way back to the dying Elan. Leviathan. Yeah. And like, yeah, we just need a few irons to get things uh, arranged. And then apparently, you know, Dargo goes back to the planet. 
Yes. Uh, in his uh, uh, growler. Or Lola. 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 But yes, I mean, they have had those few irons because if John had dug that hole to all by his onesie, that's at least a four to five hour job. Because, like, yeah. you know, he's like maybe about midriff high, maybe a little bit more. Oh, it's yeah. A, it's, like, it, it's not a shallow grave, but it's not a proper one either. No, it's it's tits deep on a man who's our size. Right. So that's not insignificant, no, but it's not a six-foot grave. No, that's like that's a half a day's work or more to dig a hole like that all by yourself. Yeah, it's good that you pointed out this scene because, like, Dargo's plan, apparently they've been chatting for a while, is, hey, uh, and then the Leviathan commits suicide. If we can get Eli to crash into the marauders on the planet, we might be able to escape in the explosion wake, or at least... Far enough so the command carrier can't track us. Crichton know about this plan. He may not want to go along with it, but we have no other option. Can you convince the old pilot to do it? I think so. No matter what, she knows she's soon to die. Yes. By crashing to his death into this. Like, NBD, uh, 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 Rigel, can you convince them to do that because that would just be optimal? That's pretty cold. It is, yes. I mean, uh, pilot and the... Leviathan have already gone to uh, great lengths to accommodate uh, our uh, intrepid yeah. heroes. And, yeah, just asking, oh, yeah, could you mind just, like, killing yourself for us? It'd be just, it'd be just super. <laughs> hey, I'm going to have to go ahead and ask you to die over here yes. instead of in space. And maybe this time sort of crush yourself into the ground and, yeah, like, explode like, and kill everybody like else. Like, pretend you're lucky. a teenager and you're doing a gravity dive and just, like... <laughs> wow. Good callback, eh? Thank you. <laughs> like it. When Leviathans are young, they often play with the planet's gravity. See how close they can come. There's a tale told about an adult male who once touched down on the planet's surface. Though no one knows if it's true or not. So instead of getting shot himself, he gets invited to shoot Scorpio, and he goes like, ah, the gun's empty. It's like you're trying, just like trying to test me. To which Bracca clearly shows like, oh, no, 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 it's not, it's not a blank. It's, like, it actually shoots. He shoots Scorpius in the back. The yeah. sparks come through, through the heart. Chest. Yeah, the heart region at least. We don't know where Scorpius keeps his heart. He's spitting he has one. phlegm yeah. as, as he's been doing a lot, and he <laughs> yes, falls he into the grave. Yep. And next, Chikozu is shoved into the grave. Yes, gets shoved in, and there is like this was. I found this seems a little bit confusing. What was going on? What exactly uh, Grazer is trying to achieve here? Cooperation from John, I suppose. Yeah, I've got to say it's a little bit unclear to me as well. So Sukozu is incensed because she claims to have told Grazer uh, Dargo's plan. Yes, and that she's very confused why she's now being executed as well or mm. threatened with with execution. But it's Scorpius who saves the day. Face down, bleeding from whatever, he mumbles, Skernak, say Skernak, it'll save you. Broker, wait! Skernak! Which Sikozi uh, does, which makes uh, Grazer go like, what did you say? Yeah, because that's apparently like a secret and highly important code word that, I don't know, I can understand the value of such a word that is known only to people, like flag officers. Yeah. So that intelligence officers can identify themselves to flag officers. But then it's very important that non-flag officers don't know it. So 
shouldn't she execute all the soldiers that are around here because now they know that that word whose only value is if nobody knows it. I guess that's going to be like an update. Like, yeah, someone used it. It's like new word is. Oh, it's like one of those sort of call and response things that I saw for the first time in uh, Space Above and Beyond, mm. where it was like a friend or foe, a bulldog, chesty, I believe it was. Yes. Do you know that's how the knock-knock joke was invented? No. It was a Canadian soldier who came up with, in the uh, Second World War, I think yeah. that was the case, and he came up with this idea for, like, when two parties are shooting at one another and they're not sure whether it's accidentally friendly fire, which can happen, you know, yes. in the night, to yell, knock-knock, and then someone else would know to yell, who's there? Because that's, you know, sort of culturally, you know that that's a response. Yes. Uh, and that that became, okay, then more people started using that and they started formulating it into uh, different responses back and forth. Yeah, and you have to get the right one. Became a joke, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And that was the origin of the, uh, the knock-knock joke, for which he would later win a Nobel. Damn, okay. Nobel what? Nobel, so he had to knock. Uh, I can't believe I walked into that one. <laughs> Thank you, Internet, for teaching me that great joke. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Moving okay, so one thing about the scene. At one point, Grazer goes, like, shoot them. And then all these efficient people who have been always been extremely eager to start shooting people at the, the merest yeah, raise yeah, of yeah. an eyebrow suddenly stand around faffing, waiting to actually start shooting until this <laughs> yeah. this secret word can be uttered. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's great. These peacekeepers that she brought, they must be deaf as posts. <laughs> because later on, Sokozu and Chi and Jewel... Oh, uh, yes. They're, they're, cons- piracy, they stand discussing their plan in the cell with two peacekeepers officers. A right meter now. away. I know. They're I, right I there, know. guys. They're- this was so weird. <laughs> I know exactly what scene you're talking about. But yes, Scorpius like whispers like to uh, Sikozu, like, "Oh, don't let them bury me!" And like Sikozu makes some obvious ploy about like, "Oh, you should just let him rot." And like, and Kreza is like, "Yeah, no, just bury him." Yeah. And we see some soldiers starting to shovel some dirt on top of Scorpius, and that's the last we will not see of Scorpius. Ah, go on, <laughs> ah, go on, go on, go on. He's got cocaine in him. Oh wait, it's raisins. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother explaining that to anyone. Good luck. Good yeah. luck figuring out where that comes from. And John's back in Grazer's uh, reverse cigarette boudoir. Clutches, yes. But this time, he sees the laka, the little monopod bug, scuttling around. Yeah. And he remembers what Noranti said. Squeeze the juice me's out of it. You get a jolt, wham, and for 500 microns, nothing bothers you. It'll fuck you up for like 50 microns or... 500, that's about 500, 10 minutes. 500 microns, yeah. One mipipipi, two mipipipi, three mipipipi, four mipipipi. And you won't care about a thing. Yeah. And, and so he uh, grabs this little critter. And, and while she is briefly distracted, he gives it a good snort. Let me see. Oh, yes. Here's the scene where uh, Sokozu uh, is brought into the prison by the two peacekeepers. Yeah. Jewel takes point, beating her up. Oh, this yeah. Time. Jewel is pissed yeah. off. Yeah. Stay back. Stay back. It's all right. I always wait. You know, see both sides. Be reasonable. But now, I have nothing to lose. 
the soldiers actually come running in straight away, but apparently go like, no, we don't have any instructions against like prisoner on prisoner violence. No, Sokoza uh, tells them to sort of let this happen, and then she, she sort of turns the table on Jewel, and then Chiana quietly comes up to sort of casually strangle her. Nice little headlock uh, she got there, yeah. And yeah, they're having this wonderful little conspiracy. But you know what? I'm going to let it slide because I I love the scene. I love girl power scenes where they actually get to team up. There's so few of them in the, oh, in the it's episode. A, it's, it's, it's a fun scene, except for, yeah, it gets it's, it's a little bit weird because the guys It's because are, they're right there. But other than that, like the whole sort of negotiation and really working through all the suspicions that they have of each other and the sort of game theoretical detente that they arrive in is fantastic. I did not betray you. I am bluffing for all I am worth just to get myself in here. Now, Dargo has a plan. You're lying. We saw them not kill you. Why didn't they? They think I know some sort of secret survivor code. What did you say to them? Skurnak. What does it mean? I have no idea. But it saved my life. And if you stop fighting me, I will try and save yours too. And Jewel suggests to Chi, hey, cover her ears. Mm. Jewel screams, melting her Chi's uh, bonds, or no, her own. Yeah, and then they, the, and then the it, women it kind of freezes the troopers as well. And then these young women turn. This is a gif that I think a lot of young men and older men throughout the, <laughs> the history of Farscape have, hmm. Oh. I'm pretty sure this is like the shot of the two of them jumping up and uh, power kicking the two uh, peacekeepers. Yeah, well, probably also did it for a few people. Like, huh. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a very classic shot that you see in a lot of uh, early 70s, 80s action movie type things. Yeah. yeah, no, I know specifically what you mean. It's the Charlie's Angels kick. Right, exactly it, that. Right? Yes, It exists in no martial arts tradition. No. Right, It is not kung fu, it's not karate, it's not judo, not whatever. But it's the Charlie's Angels kick, and it's glorious. Also, I mentioned young men earlier. Obviously, anyone can totally be into three hot chicks about to do some seduction and violence. And mm. I love Jewel and Chi after they've knocked out these helmeted soldiers with a single kick. Yeah, they do this little secret handshake type thing. Like the sort of hold that one. One of them holds out their hand. The other one gives the, the palm a little, a little scratch or something. Wiggle. Yes, their sort of high five. I love it. Absolutely adore it. <laughs> We're back in the pool room for some reason. I see the jeeps. I don't fully just, understand. It, it's just uh, Uni grabbing one of the peacekeepers and, like, I don't know, doing something. Unclear what I can't even remember that. Right. That, yeah. So, um, yes, now we get the scene where he, uh, where John snorts himself the little bug. Yeah. Which apparently gets him in, out of it enough to convince Grayson to, like, have the tables turned on her. We see this close-up on her uh, heavily lensed eye, yeah. where she says that she can hear his heartbeat, which has changed. Yes. Because of that rush from the laka yeah. stomach or kidney or whatever. And he just then, like, climbs on top of her, and I guess she doesn't have to get her strap-on harness after all. Well, <laughs> he can get his. Well, <laughs> What? No, fine. 
It's like you Peggings know, for everyone. Sometimes enough isn't enough. It's like <laughs> got full tarts and we have another gorgeous shot of uh, Dargo running through the hallway and whispering his magic word to get his like ship out again. To decloak Lola. Yeah. Rigel, are you ready? Okay, so we've got about thirty minutes. Rigel's in one of the transport pods of uh, of Elac. Apparently, they got Although, that fixed. Yeah, still, uh, no. He's, I think he's still talking to a DOD there, and they're like to, they're still trying to fix something aboard of Elac. The but transport pod that he's in. Oh, it's okay. That's it. Yeah. Which. Confused me a little bit because I think that this was the transport pod that he and Chi arrived in at first. Yes, I'm. Um, I mean, it also has the sort of green glowing growths. So that it probably was a transport pod that Eli had, which was like not fully functional. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what do you think those green things are? Like, maybe it's a sort of portable power source. That's... I don't know. They were like remember the previous episode. They were fussing around with those green glowy bags full of. Glow stick fluids, I suppose. I'm, I'm being disrespectful here towards the creature department, but no. you know, they were like. I am 100% sure it's glow stick juice. <laughs> I know. <It's>, yeah, <laughs> right? They, they were carrying those around and doing stuff with them, unclear what they were. Yeah. Um, so, no idea there, but yes, he's in a transport pod, which has to leave before Elac crashes, but in her sort of fading. What? What? Yes, I've talked with Elac. We are prepared. The DRD is almost done fixing this, but we must start our descent in a thousand microns. Yes. Go. Must go. Goodbye, my friend. You've served us well. Thank you, Domino. Yes. Must go. Must go now. Instead of doing it in uh, 30 minutes, she's, like, starting her attack run now, I suppose. While he's still locked and inside like, oh, the hangar bay. Oh, no. Crichton uh, has uh, successfully turned the tables on Grazer. Yes. Strapped her up. Just with regular straps this time, not not strapped her on. Okay, <laughs> no, getting out of that one. And he... Uh, Straps on his belt. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're still no, sticking no, with the same no. ter- terminology. The, the, the imagery isn't going away anytime soon. <laughs> I know. And he's getting dressed, and she's very confused. And he does successfully turn the, the tables on her. Yes. He does something where he sort of throws a little bit of dust on a candle. No. What he does what? is he, he you, you can actually see him doing it in the jeeves. He, he strokes his fingers over her, uh, uh, her gland, <gasps> picks up a little bit of the boob juice, and oh. then he sets it on fire in the candles. Oh, sick. <laughs> yes. That's a cool move. And, yeah, they have this little discussion. Like, I guess the tables are turned, and, like, she must have noticed him picking up that juice on his fingers and obviously hoping for the fact that he would, like, touch it to his face or nose or lips. And instead, he knows fully well what he's done, and he just goes, poof, and you get this oh, little wow. magician's cotton burn. Yeah, that was quite a flame, looking at the at the Jeeves. He uh, he kept it cool. Yeah, I think it's just one of, one of that uh, like uh, uh, gun cotton stuff that uh, they probably use for these kinds of effects. Yeah, sort of the powdery equivalent of flash paper for magicians. No, what they actually use is they actually use oh. uh, cotton and they expose it to I think nitric acid. Oh, fumes, uh, and that turns it into gun cotton, and it's just uh, it's basically gunpowder ish at that point. Whoa! Yeah, uh, and it's like it's it's super thin and gauze, and it just goes off with a quick flash. It's like magicians use it when they do a you know the trick with the dove from the pan, and there's yeah. like this, this this flash of light. And uh, oh, I wonder if it's the same thing. I mean, I know it is flash paper, but I imagine if it's no. this gauzy thing, you could flatten it. Probably, yeah. If you can do it to cotton, you can probably do it to paper as yeah. well, to cellulose as well. So 
because <clears throat> it produces a, a very visible flame that is not dangerous or yeah, harmful. Yeah, it's, like, short, it's so short that nothing, yeah. happen, nothing really happens. You can't really burn yourself on it. It's such a cool, like, I mean, it's a cool scene. It doesn't come near the kind of the kind of resolution that one would need to have to no for the the, the, the injustice that's been perpetrated on uh, on poor John. Dargo stalks about where with his extended coulter blade. I think it's in gun mode at this point. I mean, I've noticed like it switches between single and split blade thing depending on whether or not it's in gun mode or in blade mode. Yeah, Anthony Simcoe. Just about every episode went over to the creature shop. Hey, do you have a blade for me yet that actually does the transition? No, not this one. Oh, I'll go home there. Because they always have to cut between it, and he has to sort of pull on some things that don't actually move, and he wanted so badly an actual quarter blade that does cool the seat. thing. Yeah. Where the blade separates. It's like well a, a gun sword. I know. It's like uh, that, that other series we were watching off in our spare time when we're not making these podcasts. It's <laughs> like uh, Continuum, I think. When you, when, yes, when, the Canadian like, time travel series. Her, her like pistol thing, which is the unfoldy thing. I mean, like a scene like that for yeah. Dargo's Qualter Blade. That would be amazing. I'm actually now thinking about uh, Star Wars Rebels, which I, uh, I watched with my friend Greg on our podcast, Rebel Air, where for, mm. I think, the second season, oh. the young Jedi in training has constructed a lightsaber disguised as a stun gun and so he actually has a gun sword where he can sometimes like shoot stun bolts and yes. sometimes oh, oh fantastic it's, at least it's not as clumsy as random as a blaster oh god, god. <laughs> obi-wan is pretty handy with a blaster in the new series yes but still okay Crichton has to make his escape so he runs out of this chamber and into a gigantic firing squad in a hallway yeah of peacekeepers with Braca there, whom he distracts by sort of mooning him with his leather-clad butt yes. and asking, like, hey, oh. you're, you're a man of the world. Do you like this? <laughs> you're a man of the world, right? Does my ass look big in these pants? Yeah. And it's completely unnecessary. And then he grabs his gun and starts shooting and jumps around the corner and somehow holds his own against five... Six, seven firing peacekeepers. I mean, if, if you're standing around the corner, they can't shoot you, so... They're still shooting. Yeah. And, like, he, he sort of ducks around that corner where they all have their weapons trained and still oh, manage this to take out get away. I mean, these peacekeepers are rubbish. We already established that. These are like stormtrooper school of marksmanship great uh, <laughs> peacekeepers that we have here. But, you know... And oh. he, he runs out of his gun and he's like, oh, what was this? I only had like five or six shots. Like, yep. It's like he makes the do you feel lucky punk thing and he pulls out the cartridge and goes like, oh, 365. Uh, no, 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 no. He pulls out the cartridge and then uh-huh. he licks it. Oh. Yeah. Because that's how you know how many charges are left. You lick your cartridge to taste whether the oil is still spicy. Oh. But then he actually says a very specific number. Yeah. Well, he's, he's not sure if it's 500 or 600 until he tastes it. Because, like, instead of having a visual indicator, apparently uh-huh. taste is just an easier way to do it. And he's like, there is no spice here at all. Yeah. This, uh, uh, this everlasting gobstopper has been sucked dry. <laughs> oh, you hadn't noticed that? Like, No, I missed that. It was in, uh, oh, I think it was Crackers Don't Matter yeah. when John and Aaron are shooting at each other as well. Like, both of them also, while they're sort of taunting each other around the corner, they take the cartridges out and give them a quick lick uh, before topping to the back just to know out, where out. you are. Okay. I mean, that seems odd. Because, like, Does you it? know, spiciness is very subjective. And the same level of spiciness can, like, taste differently from one time to another. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, I don't think humans would have the 
distinction to be able to tell. I mean, they'll also be entirely culturally relevant. Yeah, but it'd be... It'd I mean, be... sweet. I mean, it'd be great if you were sweet. I mean, those guns would last forever. I mean, that thing would, like, not stop being spicy until, like... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know what the taste is like. It might be salt, it might be I know, sweet. But it's... <laughs> it might be umami. I don't know, but you would have the opportunity to taste empty cartridges and full cartridges True. and anything in between. But I mean, imagine accidentally licking a full cartridge and like right, it's like a thirty three hundred million thousand sc- uh, Scoville Sco- type, and then you're just like it burns. <laughs> well, you stand there I, crying, they're shooting at your opponents. Like uh, I didn't think you'd be this emotional about that. I didn't. I wasn't sure the cartridge loaded. <laughs> I'm not emotional. I just have abundance of ammunition. Yeah. Which is unfortunately not his problem, and he immediately sort of uh, uh, complains that Winona would never do this because Winona is very reliable. Uh, he does call to Darko and anybody else who can help him to come and find him, come and help me. And the girls ask, Crichton, where are you? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Just follow the like, gunfire. <laughs> I know where that is. All right, Wrinkles, you go find Darko's ship. Hey, you, you stay with us. Not that I don't trust you, but I don't. Come on. Uh, we get a great shot, very brief, of uh, Lola, uh, mm. which is, at this point, which I had not she's noticed gorgeous. before, but she's got, like, it's a bomber. What? Just look at that Jeef. It's got, like, it's got a top turned, it's got side turns. It's a bomber. All right. I mean, I mean, out of the outer troop carrier, but it's not really big enough. I mean, it's not big enough for a bomber either, but, like, it, it really reminds me, if you look at those turrets... Right. Of it, like, so, you know... No, there's of, like, one on top here, you're right. Yeah, there's two so on top, good. and there's, like, one on the side, which implies that there's one on the other side as well. Uh, Dorsal and... What's on the side called? Because ventral's the bottom. Yes. Mm. Ah, okay. Yeah. No, no, fair enough. But, yes, nothing on the bottom. I mean, we, we, we know that... I mean, I guess it has a nose turn, nose gun, which is kind of bottomish. Lola has this powerful sort of cascade weapon. Mm. Particularization field at your command. Weapons cascade at your command. Bit of confused running around. All the plans are sort of falling apart. A jewel throws John another pulse pistol, which also runs out. The girls try the magic word that Sokozu doesn't learned. work anymore. No, but I like that they sort of Scooby Doo around the corner, <laughs> corner, and yells. <laughs> And no, it doesn't work out. It's worth a shot. Everybody gets it. But Elac's coming prematurely, and all their plans are, are falling apart. In the confusion, John and the women manage to escape. They're running around. Sikozu says, well, hey, if a fucking leviathan is crashing on us, yeah. it doesn't matter. There's no point in running. And John informs her, because he's been on Farscape for more seasons. There is always a point in running! <laughs> If that's not the sort of motto of Farscape, the, the one thing that we're supposed to learn, there's always a point in running. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Dargo manages to get his little uh, ship fired up and out of the way. Yeah, he wants to pick them up, but there's just no time for them to cross the clearing and get to, uh, to Lola before Elac crashes. But Rigel manages to wake the pilot to tell her, like, everybody's in danger. I'm going to die if you crash. And yeah. Why are you still aboard? You left early. We need more time. It may be too late. We must pull up. We must try.
Elak manages to pull up. There's a, there's a bit of a scrape along the ground. Yes, you might say that. So I guess she won the deep dive competition in the end, after all. <laughs> yeah, Elak showing the young'uns how it's done. Yeah. She opens the hangar doors for Rigel to escape. And as the crew make use of this distraction to cross the distance, to run over to the temples and blast the, the peacekeepers and climb aboard Lola, she tells Elak that we have to find the strength to make one more run or all this will be for nothing. And they do. Yes. That's very touching. I mean, those two have given so much uh, yeah. and expected nothing in return. It's, it's really incredible. Which it, is what they're getting in return so far. But, you know, it's... <laughs> It makes me quite sad that they die alone, but yeah. they are together. That's what they were prepared to do, die alone, if it was in the sacred graveyard and not around this planet. And I don't think they experience the crash. Like, I think no. at least the, the pilot and probably therefore also Elak yeah. expire on the way down. Let's go with that. Like, we don't want to just get, like, yeah. overly emotional here right now. I have to keep up my mechanical uh, <laughs> you are a, reputation. You are a Cybertron. I am. Yeah. But... In their death, God, in proper Farscape fashion, they take out a lot of villains. They take out two of the three marauders, a bunch of the soldiers, and largely strand or at least uh, inhibit Grey's plans. Well, not all of them. At least one marauder uh, survives because they use that to go chase the crew. Yeah, recycling a shot from Daimi Dichotomy because the Ah. planet that Marauder leaves from is definitely a nice planet and not Ah. one experiencing a bright, bright magnetic summer. (laughs) So yes, they managed to uh, send off a little probe satellite which works as a decoy while uh, where Dargo activates the cloaking device again so they can double back and have Commander uh, Cleaveridge and the uh, rest of the Marauder chase them down. Chase down the crybaby, basically. Oh, very good. Cry, baby, cry, make your mama sigh. <laughs> yeah, Firefly episode one. Very, very good. Yes. <laughs> so Darko has, meanwhile, off screen, also picked up uh, Rigel, and everybody's back on the planet and complaining while the... Uh, uh, I mean, the color is getting more and more washed out. They're doing that bleach bypass process. Mm, yeah, I noticed that. They were getting very much uh, overexposed uh, effects going on here. And now the second sort of resolution is put into place because... Dargo needs more time than they have to, to yeah, fix Lola. He, he blew, blew out the, uh, what was it? Turbines. The turbines, yeah. Whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? It's a great plan. God, I love it. We leave the planet, then we come right back. We were not planning on coming back. Ah, uh, I knew it was a lousy plan from the microt you told me. Should have left me in the pod. Stop complaining. Oh, at least I picked you up. There's nothing I can do. They hit the deception shroud and the turbines were about to fail. Why does a spaceship have turbines? Generate power? Okay, but don't turbines need air? Or benefit from air? No, you can have steam turbines. Yeah. Uh, okay, but they need some sort just, of expanding it's, it's, medium. It's, yeah. just, it's just a way of converting, you know, heat into uh, motion. Okay. And it works better than, like, the piston-moved engine. You can recycle that. You can, like, put it back in a condenser and then... Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah? Okay. I um, mean, they use, that, they use that on ships for steam engines. Basically, because you need fresh water to run a steam engine. You can't run a steam engine with salty water. So, basically, they had to, right. like, recapture the used steam and put it through a condenser 
so they can reuse, pump it back into the kettle and reheat it up again too. Oh yeah, because desalination is still very energy yes, inefficient. It doesn't work like yeah, especially hundred years ago, desalination was not an option. Nope. No. Okay. So yeah, there's that. Wow. Okay, but this magnetic summer is now the big problem, and so they need to. It's coming within an arn or something. Retrieve the Darnas triangle probes to Which reverse st- the. Okay, these Darnas yep. triangle probes. I mean, I suppose they get sent by the Darnas to destroy the peaceful society, the peaceful ghost slaughtering society that was living on this planet. Yep. We're about to achieve universal peace, which... Between the Scarons and the Peacekeepers. Which, yeah. That's what the priests yeah, did. which uh, someone else went, like the Darrens apparently went, absolutely not, and yep. they decided to destroy this planet here. No idea whether the triangle was named after the people who sent it, no, or whether it's just its own thing. Let's just assume this. Yeah. Yeah, Granny here finally realizes that Uni is the villain because Uni tells her, basically. Yes. Like, he starts out even sort of trying to charm her. Like, oh, no, but I understand, and I don't be afraid, and I'll help you. And then Crichton walks up and sort of shoes Uni away. And, like, he must be really tired of being underestimated at this point. Yes. Which was his own strategy to begin with, because then he turns on them. And that makes me think about Granny as being a bit weird, because, like, Granny clearly knew about these pros, because, like... Yes, and she that's her whole thing. And she showed John a vision, which in which she didn't mean for John to include the location of the probes, which he accidentally did. Yeah, and once he knew, and she yeah. knew that he was helpless against Grazer, which still shows us she no, wanted to kill him. Yeah, she didn't know about Uni involved, and she didn't want the probes to be seen. And she doesn't seem like the kind who would. I mean. Unless she is, like, part of the Dooney or whatever it is who originally plotted this here, which seems like she would be more aware of... It's weird. I'm uh. not sure. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like, it seems like there must be other purposes. Like, if she was in on it, then I'd think she would have responded differently. Yeah. Because she wasn't didn't seem to be particularly upset about the end effect of the probes being uh, unleashed again. Uh, un- unleashed, I suppose. So, yes. so that that makes me think that she wasn't involved in getting them in place, but she didn't want them used for evil. Uh, so uh, hang on, so that must be the thing is All right. she was fine with the probes being used to remove the effect that created the magnetic summers, mm-hmm. but she was not fine with the other things that the probes could be used for, like doing the same thing to, to other, other planets. planets. Yes. Yeah, being sold. All right, and- so Granny is a... Like, you know, time cop or at least interstellar peacekeeper trying to guard the the ways of... I mean, I'm just going to call them the Dooney for now. Like, to prevent... prevent what? The, where, where do you get The it? Dooney probes or what are they called? Oh, the Darnas probes. Darnas yeah, probes, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So she, basically she is like some time cop interstellar... Uh, not necessarily time cop, but... Uh, okay, yeah. Time uh, space is a single uh, continuum. Officer who is like uh, trying to like make sure that the Darna's legacy is being not being misused and that it's not being uh, perpetrated for uh, other How effects. How many 200 points? points. Ah, okay, 200. 500. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Love it. Um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> I, think, I think this is like maybe a little remnant of our previous podcast where occasionally you just like get a thought and run with it and it's like yeah this this does feel like sort of cover my ass where suddenly we had dinosaurs in the library and whatever the fuck we had i can't remember it's something with ducks anyway uni is tired of being shooed away and reveals himself much like val kilmer in mcgruber yeah it's me i am the villain yeah 
No, this is like I am the one I who's doing this the, to you. God uh, tells gun John at gunpoint to tell him the location of the third probe. It actually smacks him about a little bit. Yeah. And it's it's right in the same spot where he found the tetrahedron, where yeah. he found every, everything is happening on that bloody cliff. You know, the same cliff with the little monolith on it. And, yep. uh, and now that they've found it, Uni no longer has any use for any of them. And so no. he turns his, his weapon on them. Anyway, I started shooting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I started blasting. <laughs> but meanwhile, Chiana is there. She's at a lower sort of plateau and she throws a rock. That is your plan? Yeah. To hit him with a rock. And therefore, John can do another wonderful jump that really yeah. highlights Pent all of jab. his assets. It knocks the probe and the weapon away. Jewel grabs the weapon. Uni runs away. And with now the we see the, yeah. the sort of back, like we see his booty, which is really fun. He looks uh, like a John's booty or... Both Unis. of them. Yeah, no, like, absolutely. Uni also they has... They have well-sculpted pants at this point, yes. Yeah, and he has a lovely carapace and some fantastic gams. But now they're left in a situation where, oh, we don't have the three probes. Yes. We don't have any way to off this planet. And, and John's standing there just going, oh, oh, well. And Granny is like, oh, I know a way about this. And chucks Winona <laughs> off the cliff. Yeah. Crichton, we're all going to die. Oh. But he can live down there until the magnetic summer ends. And? And... Was that Winona? I really don't want to know where you hit her. I mean, she's got, like, loose robes, I suppose. I know, she's got a long skirt. You can hide a lot yeah. of a long skirt. So, John goes off the cliff again, into the tide pool. We get this fight that you were talking about yep. with the f- very foamy tide pools where there's uh, Uni and John are fighting for both the probe and Winona. Which, I mean, it's a fantastic sort of action sequence. I'm amazed that he's able to just find a black... Pulse pistol among the rocks. Yeah, there's just no way. But very impressively, he manages to come up first with the probe, and then Winona starting a new plan, which is they have to be 600 motras apart. Now we also learned that 600 motras is about half a metra. Do you say motras or metras? Motras. So like, just over half a metra. That's it. So I'm thinking metra is kilometer and motra is meter. That sounds about right. Yeah. So they have to run 600 meters over rough terrain. Yeah, that'll wear you out, or at least it... Yeah. I don't think that I would stand much of a chance against that because I'm a sedentary little gentleman. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, judging by the locations we see, it's probably less than that, but... Oof, yeah. I mean, Chi, when she's taking her probe, asks, how do you activate it? And John goes, I don't know, you whack it in the ground and kick it or something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what he's basing that on. I mean... He saw them land like that. They just sort of whacked into the ground and everybody does it. They whack their probe into the ground and stand back and nothing happens. They're all bleached out at this point. And John's about to, like, he draws Winona and he points her at his probe because, I don't know, maybe well, he's Well, you're kind of, of forgetting the fact that Uni still gets shot here. Oh, does he? Yeah. He, Where I mean, does he, he get shot? He, he gets shot when he's in the water with John and Shana right. whacks him with the stone gun. Yeah. And at first, like, he seems to just sort of die and fall on top of John, and then he dissolves in the water. Yes. I'm pretty sure there's, like, in that scene, there's another diver's bubbles behind them, by the way. So, there's, like, (laughs) I mean, I noticed it twice that I thought, like, oh, it looks like uh, there's, like, someone. How do you notice bubbles among the waves? It's very hard to tell on the screen, on the jeeps. Very impressed. But on the screen, it it, kind of jumped out to me like that. 
But yes, the probes get activated. Rise up into the air, form that circle and triangle that we've seen and before. Yes, and this is the end of Magnetic Summers. Everything yeah. goes lush and green and beautiful in colour. I never had much colour to start with, Princess. You get these lovely sort of aurora in the atmosphere. Yeah. It's really captivating. Especially Chana seems to be enjoying this quite much, and Ogra also doesn't seem to be displeased. Everybody's back to their colour. Yeah, that... I know that particular gif of Chiana smiling in joy. I know that uh, Gigi Edgley uses that on her live streams, like when someone becomes a contributor or a donation or whatever. Oh, That's a gif that uh, nice. automatically appears. That's very cool. And John notices, hey, there's another thing. Oh, yeah. Why don't you guys come up here and have a look at this, which is this enormous temple-like structure, which clearly everybody should have been able to see from wherever they are. So, yeah, why they exactly have to come up there, that's unclear. But the priests are back. Hey, you guys probably want to come check this out. They have been locked in time for 12,000 cycles or yeah. something. And there's a little bit of speculation about do they know about this? Have they noticed? What is that? A lost temple. The Donna's Triangle. When it created the Magnetic Summers, it... It must have trapped part of the past. They're the same priests that were here 12,000 cycles ago. Do they know time has passed? I don't think so. So you're saying they've been... They've been frozen like valor and now they're awake. And they don't know anything that's, that's happened. I don't think they know we're here. So the question is, do we stay or do we go? I think that decision should rest with Jewel. She's the instructor here now. And I'm pretty sure that Granny uh, uh, is here standing there like, yeah, you don't want to think too hard about this. Like, yeah, talk about it for a little bit. And then we're just going to go back to the shin and everyone's going to leave. But yes, yeah, like, I'm fairly certain that like something like that kind of bullshit is going on here. It's such an awesome hero shot. Not to just completely waltz over your conspiracy theory here and move on to something else as if, as if I just don't care, I don't want to engage with you, but nothing like that. There's this gorgeous hero shot where all the crew as they are now, Dargo, John, Sikozu, I was going to say Tammy, obviously... Uh, Jewel. Uh, Rigel's there as Rigel. well. Oh, and yes, he is, yes. so is Naranti. Uh, and Chi, all sort of standing on this rock, windswept, absolutely gorgeous, as they look at this temple. And they turn to Jewel... Because she's the instructor now. Yes. She knows what's going on, ostensibly. Uh, and they trust her with the choice. Should we just leave? Or should we talk well, to these she goes priests? like, I'm going to talk to them. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. I don't think that's just sort of frivolous on her part. I think she's... she's oh, no. She's really well, thought about it. Obviously excited as well. But, yeah, this means it's a goodbye. Because she, uh, uh, Jewel is staying behind. We don't see a full round of goodbyes. It's like only the end of her saying goodbye to Chana. Which then... I really like. They're very close to each other. She's yeah. got her, hip, her hands on Chi's hips. Like they've, they've become very comfortable with one another, which yes. I would have loved to see more of. Then John, which who keeps it brief. Then Dargo. They hold hands, which yes. I like. Yes, yes, very much. And he, he even kisses her, I think, on the forehead. Yep. Uh, and then Dargo. And she kind of apologizes to Dargo. Yeah, about for not like, standing up, not standing for, up him. for him, and even though he kisses her, it's like not enough for him to stay. You have more courage, integrity, and honesty than a dozen Vellas. 
And I should have said that to her. Yeah, they keep repeating that she's the only one who could stay because she's not wanted by the uh, yes. peacekeepers. Despite the fact that she was arrested for the conspiracy to destroy the command carrier. Right, which but did it make it that out of that... Uh, Scorpius and Grazer and Braca yeah, did. I suppose. And, uh, yeah. They share a kiss. Although, I, th- I thought it was more than just... Okay, to me it felt more than just like, oh, I can't stay because I'm wanted. To me, it also felt a little bit like, okay, thank you for the apology, but that doesn't quite make up for the uh, oh. the slight. At least to me, that's how it felt. I thought, I thought there was a bit of sort of rapprochement where she says, even if you weren't Vela's intellectual equal, and he yeah. says, well, she's a rock now, so yeah, I'm definitely her intellectual yeah. equal. Yeah, no, that was that was great. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> And then there's a final scene with uh, Grazer and Braca in yes. the boudoir on the new command carrier. Hey, the carpet's back. Yes. The peacekeeper exercise carpet. I guess they have it laying around. You know, they have to, like, like furnishing a new command carrier quickly. You just grab what you can and, like, ah, just, like, cover it all in exercise carpet. Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> and she informs him that she does not want to hear any rumors about what happened down there. Yes. How she was found tied up. A joke in the officers' club, anything at all about what happened at Arnas. You won't. And he says that you won't. Yes, well, if I do, I'm holding you responsible. <laughs> it's your neck on the line, yeah. To which he's like, you can almost see him sweat drop at that. It's like, it sh- is an anime sweat drop, isn't I'm, it? He I'm, sort of gulps. Shouldn't have told my mate. <laughs> so <I> shouldn't have <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so shouldn't have You're right. There are very specific regrets in his eyes. Yeah, it's like, oh, sh- <laughs> shouldn't have told her, yeah. And finally, we're in Lola, where everybody's piled together. Dargo has sent out an encrypted comms to Moya, but he doesn't even know if the transponder's working. Yes. And everybody's just sort of crammed in there while they're towing John's module behind them. With John in it. Why he's sitting in the module that I doesn't work. I guess because work. there's not enough room on, on the board Lola. Uh, and that's where he has the conversation with, with the old woman. Ask her her name. What's your name, old woman? Uta Noranti yeah. Her third eye opens and grows magenta mm. for whatever reason. Yes, I have no idea. I just, have no idea. Uh-huh. And she sort of, everybody's sort of, she's, they're aimless and they're a little bit envious of Jewel for like having... A purpose, yeah. Great. We are hunted by peacekeepers, towing a dead module, lost in the uncharted territories with no purpose in life. How good does it get? Oh, no. One of us has a purpose, don't you, Crichton? But she goes that John does have a purpose, which is to find Aaron. Yes. Which Which to me, which which cements my, you know, suspicion that there's like, I mean, she knows more and she's trying to steer things in a certain way. Because Mm. she is clearly meddling. She's now meddling towards purposes which are not immediate. Rather, like, you know, on the planet she was meddling towards making sure that the uh, the probes were not used as a weapon and mm-hmm. not, were not grabbed by the peacekeepers or anybody else who was going to sell them as a weapon. Yeah. And, but she was fine with them being used to undo the effect that they had done originally. So what do you think is... Actually, put some point on this, please. What do you think her agenda is with John Ree Aaron? Sort of looking at she implanted in his subconscious the knowledge that Aaron is with child, but denied him that knowledge. In fact... She tried to help him face that there was no happy ending for him and Eren to be had, that his fantasies of moving to Earth were not going to work out. No. 
And now she's the one who's reminding him that he does have a mission. What do you think her agenda is? I'll put a 200 points on her being an agent for the, what are the wormhole people called again? <gasps> oh, the, um, um, the Pathfinders. The Pathfinders, yes. You did predict that they'd be coming back again. Yes. So Ooh. I'm going to say that she's like, uh, she's, she, and like whatever the whole John Aaron thing is. I mean, she, John is clearly a rogue agent when it comes to wormholes. Yeah. He is like this close to developing, you know, Wormhole weapons, wormhole transportation. If wormhole. only he could find them, which is his challenge. Like, he understands right. the mechanics now. Yes, 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 because there's a really cool scene in the boudoir, you know, the reverse ziggurat, yeah. where Grey's is asking, because she wants to know why do the Scarans want him. I know they're always out there in the sky, waiting. If these wormholes are always there, why can't they be seen? Is that they're like this, invisible. Sometimes, under the right conditions, they turn and appear. I just don't know how to make them appear. Edge on or flat on, you can either yeah. see your hand easily or you can turn it and then it's essentially invisible. And I guess that's how the, the wormhole weapon that uh, his quote-unquote dad created, mm. like that, that lured in the wormholes or made them visible or whatever, and then he could work his regular technology magic on them to manipulate them anyway as he saw fit. Yeah. But he first needed to be able to produce a wormhole when needed. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yes, I think that Granny is an agent for the Pathfinder's all right, I'll write that down. I mean, down. I'll put some separate money on that, like, but, uh, like, disconnect Oh, okay, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, So like, she's, there's, there's those shenanigans yes. and then another one that she's specifically I mean, for the Pathfinders? They, they, they there may be an overlap. I'm, I'm trying to hedge my bets here. Like, I, I, I think know, she's part the, the coward strategy, I Well, yes. But, yeah. <laughs> she gives me a Woody. She gives you the Willies. Ooh. I guess my willy goes to the guards in the uh, prison yes! cell. <laughs> Mine too! <laughs> like, I was thinking about repeating it from last time and, like, the discomfort with the, the sexual assault that John suffers, but the peacekeeper soldiers <laughs> just are like, so ineffective. They're entirely useless. They're just standing they just, there. They're being ordered to shoot and they just sort of stand around. And they hear this conspiracy, they just sort of stand around. And don't do anything. Yeah, it's uh, okay. They're, wow. They definitely get the willy this time around. Glass jawed and, and club eared. <laughs> Which leaves the hard one, the Woody. Oh, It is hard. Trust me, it'll be hard. No, wait. I'm going to have to mention something I've just like come in my notes. It's like Ooh. when we have the scene where Rigel is talking to Pilot. I'm just going to call Pilot because I can't forget. Yeah, yeah, Elax Pilot. Yeah, yeah Elax Pilot. And Elex, the Pilot makes a comment about maybe if there is an afterlife uh, for us, where we'll see you again. And I mean, I guess my... Woody will have to go to Rigel's restraint in making a, a snarky comeback about his laughter life being better, <laughs> being better than, than, than their afterlife. <laughs> May you have safe transport to the hallowed realm. Actually, not our hallowed realm. No, that's for Hynerians. Go find your own hallowed realm. Wow! Oh no, that means it's another Rigel Woody. It's Imagine like, your Woody going to Rigel's restraint. Yeah. I love it. 
<laughs> I'm definitely with you on the willy for the utterly ineffectual peacekeeper soldiers. Oh, man, Woody. I think it's going to the set design of this one. I love the sort of reverse ziggurat boudoir, the uh, oh, sacrificial yeah, I mean, the boudoir, chamber. Yeah, I mean, the boudoir scenes were pretty good as well. Like, I mean... Ah, John and uh, Grace lighting and and whipping, the, yeah, like exchanging their different positions and uh, th- th- that definitely. But I'm just appreciating from like a production no, no, design I get point that. of view, like and a, candles, always candles. Yeah, what is it with all these fucking candles? Yeah, so I mean, it, they, they they provide good animated lighting, I suppose. I know, I know, but it, like, just I mean, you can't have like you know ancient tombs. I mean, it either has to be like grungy little wall-mounted uh, warts. For lighting, or you have to have candles because if you get like strict LED lighting. Now I get that, but like it is, it is a trope that sort of bothers me that, that they'd have lots of candles around. No, a candle is an expensive thing. You buy it for eight hours of light. You you pay money for right. it, and so you put it somewhere, and it's there to provide eight hours of light. You don't just have a shelf full of candles of various sizes. I like, mean, yes, you do if you have to believe certain video games. No, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Right, it's, it's like, oh, this you are now in this unopened crypt, which is nobody's been here for 3,000 years. Oh, there's burning candles all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wall sconces with removable uh, yeah. torches that, okay. But yeah, set design. No, that's, I, I see that. It did look very beautiful. They did a lot with probably quite a little space. Yeah. Because I think they were pretty, I mean, there's a few. Actually, oh, yeah, it goes for everything. It goes so for a few the, of the outdoor scenes are obviously matte paintings. And other than that, just like cliff gorgeous. shots, a little bit of jungle here and there, which also could be a back lot or. And the water-filled part of the temple. With that the, was, the I guess, yeah, that was a pretty big type scene. Although they probably got to reuse some sets pieces from other walls and stuff like that. But yeah, making that water-filled, that was quite impressive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess my Woody goes in general to just like set the production design, design yeah. and set design, like Tim Ferrier did. Fantastic job here. Yeah, no, very good. And, and that's the story, story so far. So Farscape. Please join us next week for a, another fanfic reading and the week after that for episode 404. Yeah. Lava's a many splendored thing. <laughs> in which have a lot of puns. the crew is on the way to a rendezvous with Moya. After ingesting a concoction of Norantes, they stop for a break on a planet. Rigel is captured and tomed in amber by raiders. Oh. oh. That sounds exciting. Right. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> As always, if you want to send us some submissions and we would love to have some more for season four we know you've all gone balls out on some of the previous ones so we'd absolutely welcome some more uh you can find all those links at sofarscape.com slash links where you can support our patreon you can submit fanfics if you'd uh, like to see if any uh, read by uh, by yours truly send us those uh, synopses I'm sort of thinking that there's probably one more link. It's just not coming to me, but oh well. In the meantime, uh, speaking of links, you can check our show notes if you'd like to hear more of the music of uh, Lee of Give Them L, who did our wonderful theme song, which you're about to hear fading in right now, because I'm cocky. I'm Kay. So, so far, far escape, so, so good. good. <laughs>